these guys that are rock climbers, they are hanging hundreds of feet in the air sometimes. They're climbing Mount Everest with these harnesses. They only weigh a few ounces. They're nothing but webbing, and they're extremely safe. And yet we're looking at the products that were available in the hunting market, and they were big and heavy and bulky and cumbersome. I said, you know, there's why don't we just adapt what the rock climbers are using? So we started looking at ways to incorporate the technologies into hunting products, and that's where we developed uh, the Mantis Saddle. Big Buck Registries Deer Hunting Podcast, episode number 268. The Tree Harness, tethered with Greg Godfrey, Hunt Tech Part 8. Support for the Big Buck Registry and the Deer Hunt Podcast comes from Rackology. Everything you need in one bag. Now available at Rural King and Orsland Farm and Home storefronts. Or online at www.rackology.org. Hunters blend coffee, defending hunting one cup at a time. Finally, there's a coffee that helps rather than hurts your freedom to hunt. Use the code BBR to receive 10% off your next Hunter's Blend order. Quiet Cat, the all-terrain electric bicycle. Visit quietcat.com, that's Q-U-I-E-T-K-A-T.com, and use the discount code BIGBUCK15 to secure 15% off your next Quiet Cat purchase. Covert Scouting Cameras, remote cameras for hunting, wildlife, and security. Morse's Sporting Goods, a full line of sporting goods without the sales tax, and Big Buck merch. You can get cool, high-quality Big Buck t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and hoodies. And show support for this podcast by visiting www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash M-E-R-C-H. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hi, my name is Joe Donito. I'm one of the Adirondack trackers at adktrackers.com. You're about to listen to my favorite podcast, Big Buck Registry. This is John Eberhardt. I've been hunting out of a saddle since 1981. I'm about to listen to my favorite podcast, Big Buck Registry, deer hunting podcast. Hey, this is Zach Sandow at Onyx Hunt, and you're listening to one of my personal favorite podcasts, the Big Buck Registry. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, fellow predators. My name is Jay, and thank you for tuning in to the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. For Dusty Phillips and Jim Keller and the entire staff here at the Big Buck Registry, welcome to this week's show. There are a couple things I'd like you to do for us if you could. If you would, please check us out on iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a review. With your help, we're going to try and push this show up the iTunes charts. I know we have a lot of listeners out there, and I need you to take some action. I need you to leave a review and subscribe to the show. If you do subscribe, that'll give you access and notification each and every week that a new show is released. You can also access this show in its entirety on YouTube, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and as an Amazon Alexa skill. Go to Alexa and say, Alexa, enable Big Buck Registry. It's all right there for you to access on demand at your fingertips. Regarding the harness program, we have an ample supply of harnesses to give away from our volunteer donors. If you're in need of a full-body harness, please send an email to j at bigbuckregistry.com. 
The arborists are probably the first to harness the power of the tree harness. But what about the rock climbing community? According to Greg Godfrey from the tree harness company Tethered, we need to give credit to each. And that's pretty much how his company got its roots. It's a deer hunter meets arborist meets rock climber kind of story. Greg says that due to the demand to pack lighter to get to your favorite deer hunting spot without sacrificing safety or the ability to hunt from a tree, Tethered was born. Tethered isn't the first tree harness company, but they are perhaps the first to focus on this method of hunting that's been around for quite a while and really make some innovative advancements. We discuss with Greg the products that Tethered offers, how to use them effectively, and how their system can safely make you a lighter and more mobile deer hunter. We'll get to our entire interview with Greg Godfrey from Tethered in just one moment. But before we do, let's hear from our friends at Rackology and Jim Keller with the Deer News. I still can't believe that's all you're taking. I got everything I need all in one bag. Rackology Deer Supplement and Attractant developed through years of intense scientific research comes a product that puts it all in one bag. Superior Attractant, scientifically formulated vitamins and minerals, and all at a much better price. To get yours today, please check out Rackology.org for a list of dealers. Rackology, how can you afford not to use it? Everything deer need, all in one bag. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Our first story this week, court sentencings finalize one of the state's largest ever poaching investigations in Missouri. This story is from the mdc.mo.gov website. A Greene County man's court sentencings in December in Barton and Lawrence counties are the most recent events in what is one of Missouri's largest conservation cases involving the illegal taking of deer. On December 13th, David Berry Jr. of Brookline received a 120-day sentence in Barton County Circuit Court for a felony firearms probation violation. On December 6th, he received a one-year jail sentence in Lawrence County Associate Court after pleading guilty to taking wildlife illegally on October 11th. The 120-day sentence Barry Jr. received in Barton County Circuit Court will be served in addition to the one-year sentence he received in Lawrence County. These convictions were made with information obtained from Operation Game Thief, a hotline sponsored by the Missouri Department of Conservation and the Conservation Federation of Missouri. Barry Jr.'s convictions are the tip of a long list of illegal fish and game activity by him and other members of his family. On July 11, 2016, approximately 100 state, federal, and Canadian wildlife officers simultaneously interviewed multiple suspects and other persons of interest in Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, and Canada. Information gained from these and earlier interviews tied 14 Missouri residents to over 230 charges that occurred in 11 Missouri counties. Three suspects were tied to additional wildlife violations in Kansas, Nebraska, and Canada. Two suspects were tied to federal Lacey Act wildlife violations that occurred in Kansas, Nebraska, and Canada. As part of this effort, MDC agents concluded an eight-and-a-half-month investigation by serving arrest warrants on David Berry Jr., David Berry Sr., currently residing in Springfield, and Kyle Berry Everton on August 31, 2016. Other individuals in Missouri also received summonses to appear in court on charges stemming from this investigation. Charges were filed in Lawrence, Lynn, Shannon, Dade, Green, Putnam, Harrison, DeKalb, Barton, Vernon, and Benton counties. Most of the Missouri violations were related to the illegal taking of deer. Most of the deer were trophy class animals. In many instances, only the heads and antlers were removed. More than 300 charges were filed on this group in state, federal, and international jurisdictions. Prior to the July 2016 interviews, David Berry Sr. and Eric Berry, 20, of Everton, were convicted of taking game fish by hand in Dade County. 
During the 2017 firearms deer season, while awaiting his court appearance for violations from the 2016 investigation, Eric Berry and an accomplice were caught spotlighting in Lawrence County. To date, this group of poachers has paid $151,000 in bonds and $51,000 in fines and court costs and collectively served 33 days in jail. David Berry Sr. and David Berry Jr. had hunting, fishing, and trapping privileges revoked for life by the Missouri Conservation Commission. Eric Berry and Kyle Berry had hunting and fishing privileges revoked for 18 years and 8 years respectively. Jeremiah Klein, Republic, who took wildlife illegally and assisted the Berries, had hunting privileges revoked for five years. Information received this fall through Operation Game Thief led to the arrests of David Berry Sr. and David Berry Jr. for violating terms of their probation. David Berry Sr. has posted bond and is awaiting a probation revocation. Potential new typical state record buck downed in Louisiana. This story is from the Louisiana Sportsman's website and was reported by Patrick Bonin. Since 1943, John Broadway's Madison Parish Giant has stood atop the Louisiana big game records as the state's largest typical buck ever harvested with a gun, coming in with a score of 184 and 6 eighths inches of sheer antler perfection. In the 75 long years since, thousands and thousands of hunters have ventured into the woods and marshes of the state and killed thousands and thousands and thousands of deer, and no one has beaten the Broadway buck. This season, potential typical state record rumors are swirling around a giant Avoyez Parish 17-pointer killed by Joe McPherson last Sunday, December 9th, on the south farm of the old Louisiana Delta Plantation near Effie. The deer has been scored with gross numbers ranging from 196 and 1 8th to 202 and 3 8 McPherson hasn't gotten a jawbone age on the buck, but is, is a bit concerned that it's only three and a half years old and perhaps might have been harvested a year too soon. McPherson said the buck was a symmetrical 10-pointer last season with roughly a 20-inch spread that likely was in the 150 to 160-inch range. He didn't know if the deer was still bedding down in his section of the lease this season until he checked his trail cams earlier the previous weekend. McPherson headed to his box stand overlooking an oak flat full of acorns on a Sunday afternoon around 3 p.m. and saw the big buck step out quartering from his right side about two hours later as the sun was about to set. He fired a 7 mag from about 100 yards, and just like that, the buck went down right where it stood. Now the waiting game begins for the 60-day drying period to pass so an official Boone and Crockett score can be taken. McPherson said his plan is to have the big buck scored at the Louisiana Sportsman Show and Festival at the Lamar Dixon Expo Center in Gonzales, March 14th through 17th. Record mule deer buck taken illegally. This story is from the Register Guard website. When Lane County resident Kevin Noel Howard presented his eight-point mule deer buck for measurement at the Northwest Sportsman Show. He reported taking it in the Steens Mountains during archery season with a valid archery deer tag. The buck placed first in the show for non-typical archery mule deer taken in 2015 and eighth all-time in Oregon. But in May of this year, while Noel was being investigated for other crimes, the Oregon State Police got a tip that Noel had killed the buck with a rifle instead of a bow as required by his tag. After the May investigation by Fish and Wildlife OSP troopers, Noel was arrested in Lane County for unlawful possession of mule deer buck parts and the trophy mount was seized. After a Lane County jury found Noel guilty November 28th, he was sentenced December 5th by Lane County Circuit Court Judge Deborah Velour to three years probation, 15 days in jail, a three-year suspension of Oregon hunting privileges, forfeiture of the trophy mount to the Oregon State Police, and a $6,250 and three-year hunting trip ban. 
That concludes this week's edition of the Big Buck Groceries Deer News. Special thanks to Daniel Applebaum, Tim Donzi, and John Geis for leads on stories this week. For links to the stories featured this week, please check our show notes at www.bigbuckroceries.com. If you have any ideas for future topics or have any questions about these topics, please email me at jim at bigbuckregistry.com. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Thanks to Jim Keller for the Deer News. Without further ado, here is Greg Godfrey from Tethered. Greg Godfrey, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. How are you, my friend? Jay, I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come on. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited to talk about it. I'm excited about this too, and we've got a, a lot of requests from our listeners who want to know more about saddle hunting, mostly because we had Mr. Everhart on our show, and they they want to know how to do more of this, and it's not it's not for everybody, I don't think, and we're going to explore a lot of this stuff, but I think there is definitely a place for saddle hunting. I'm intrigued by it. I have not engaged in it yet. So I guess, I guess in, in a sense, we're, we're kind of, uh, this might be a selfish moment for me because I want to know too, like a lot of our listeners want to know more about the advancements in the saddle development themselves and the, what's going on at your company called Tethered. Um, I think from what I can see that you're, you're the furthest along in the technology uh, and I've thought this through the most so far. So I appreciate uh. you coming on. Yeah, for sure. I think you make a good point that people want to know more about it because I think most hunters at some point in their hunting career, they, they make this transition from uh, using really heavy gear to try and find ways to save the weight on their back, in their packs, uh, when they're walking in a long ways, and they're dealing with heavy, bulky equipment. And I think it's just natural for any person, whether you're a hunter, a hiker, a fisherman, you look at ways to make your gear more efficient, lighter, better, stronger. And many people see the saddle for the first time and they go, Whoa, that makes a lot of sense. I need to research that. And, and, you know, I think that's where a lot of your listeners are. Yeah. And I I agree with that. I I spend hours with, with some of my, my hunting buddies who like to hike into the woods and then set up on a particular tree because they find a certain spot that's hot right now and that's where they want to be. But to plan ahead so much, you get a ladder stand in there or you, you get a climber and there's only so many trees you can climb with or you get, and we end up just trying to find the lightest possible stand we can get to, to be there for a, a couple of hours or three before the sunset because we scouted all the the spots during the day, we finally found that one spot that looks really good right now. We need to be there now. But to to haul in some of the heavier climber stands or to haul in some of the heavier long sit stands, although comfortable, um, it can make for a daunting task if you want to be as mobile as we want to be because the, the scenery changes constantly. The deer move around constantly. They're, they're, you might be on the same mountain, but they're not on the same side of the mountain or the same trail on that same side of the mountain. you got to be mobile for a lot of the, the situations we're in. And I think what you're talking about solves a lot of those problems. You're right. And, you know, you hit on it just a moment ago. You said saddle hunting isn't for everyone. And and I, I would also say that it's it may not always be the best tool for every hunt. Um, it, it is for, for most of them, for in my opinion, but, you know, there's still a place for ladder stands and there's still a place for climbing tree stands and lock-on stands. And, 
you don't have to look at saddle hunting as, well, if I'm going to be a saddle hunter, then I can't do anything else. You don't have to look at it that way. You can look at it as, you know, it's another tool in your toolkit to make you a more efficient hunter. That's why a, a contractor carries more than just a hammer and a golfer carries more than one club because sometimes you need a specialized tool for certain types of things. Now, if you really get into it and you drink the Kool-Aid, you'll become like me who is a saddle hunting maniac and it's the only thing I use anymore, but you don't have to be that way. You can pick and choose when it makes sense for the right hunt uh, and when it helps you um, accomplish your goals and when it gives you the biggest advantage over the deer then you can use it. And it's just a, another tool in your toolkit. Right. Right. And I don't, <clears throat> even if this becomes a part of my system, I don't think I would abandon the other formats. I don't think I would abandon my climber or some of my other uh, stands that are comfortable that you can put up with sticks, for example. Um, but I do like the lightweight compactness of what Tethered has put together. And this goes back to just just the saddle in general. Like just saddle hunting 101, yes, this is awesome. And th- there may be times when I want to put up a longer-term stand. But what I'm finding is there always that tree that is the perfect tree doesn't always handle the climber. And it might be too uh, quite a hike in where the deer are to be carrying even that 10 pound uh, tree stand you're going to put up with your with your climbing sticks not that that not that that's real heavy but boy if, if there was a lighter alternative and we i talked to my friend scott all about this all the time i want a lighter stand we've even gone to the point where we are looking for some of the old aluminum stands that came out years and years ago that are not tma approved that would never pass any kind of safety test these days but we're picking them up off the side of the road that people are giving away because they're so old but they're still the lightest weight thing that we can find and we're willing to sacrifice that because having that little stand that little lightweight stand is worth having because they function fine and you know john john eberhardt will tell you that some of the earlier um, saddles that he uses are, are not compliant anymore like he modifies them so much that you could never sell them because they're just not safety compliant but we're, we're kind of doing the same thing i mean we're constantly trying to find a lighter alternative because it's so much more convenient so that's why we got you on the show, and I want to dive into all this stuff as part of our Hunt Tech series. And I know this is kind of low-tech, but it's a huge advancement in low-tech that I think people are, are going to want to know about. And just looking at your saddles and all the gear that you've developed, the Predator platform is extremely intriguing to me because, like I said, we are always looking for that smaller, lighter stand that we can just throw in our pack and hike a little bit further without having to sacrifice our abilities to get in a tree. Yeah, you covered a lot there and there's a lot that we can unpack and help help everyone understand just some of those advantages that you talked about beyond being the most ultralight way to hunt. It's also the least bulky. I mean, a lot of hunters forget about that. You know, imagine you're carrying a, a climbing tree stand on your back, even if it's not a super heavy one, even if it's one of the more lightweight ones, you know, in the 10 to 15 pound range. It's still a big hunk of metal. If you're walking through uh, tight brush or, if, you know, you got to get on your hands and knees and crawl under some real thick stuff, I mean, that that big climbing bulky stand can be uh, a big impediment to getting through the woods quietly. Right. 
Greg, tell me about yourself. Uh, how are you connected to Tethered, and what's your background in, in outside of Tethered? So my background is probably uh, pretty similar to what a lot of a lot of folks listening um, the, the same background as them. I mean, I grew up hunting and fishing in the outdoors. Uh, with my family, with my brothers, uncles, grandfather, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was the way of life. And as I, as I grew older and I began to love it for more than, you know, just being something to do on the weekends with family, it began to be a, a real significant part of my life. Uh, I, I then joined the army and the, uh, the army has a way of moving you when you, whether you want to or not. So the army was both a blessing and a curse that we moved very frequently, but it gave me the ability to see different parts of the country and learn different types of animals and um, how to use, how to hunt in different types of terrain, any, anything from the Savannah swamps where I am now up into the, the extreme Northeast up in upstate New York on uh, the Great Lakes region. And then even all the way out in Colorado in the Rocky Mountains. So I have a lot of experience hunting lots of different types of terrain for deer and or other game too, but specifically whitetail. And so I, I have a, a lot of experience trying to figure out different areas quickly. And that led me to saddle hunting because like you talked about, I was always going into new public, public land areas and carrying the big heavy stuff in and out with me. It just got really old. And uh, that's when I found saddle hunting back around 2009, 2010 timeframe. And ever since then, I've just been refining the craft. Uh, I started making my own saddles. I, I uh, helped build the, the, the largest saddle hunting community in the world at saddlehunter.com. Mm. Uh, I post more. I've got the most saddle hunting content on YouTube, on my YouTube channel and I just kind of fell in love with the style of saddle hunting because of all the benefits that it provided me. And then I just started telling everyone that I knew about it, about how great it was and how much it helped me become a better hunter, more efficient hunter. And out of that, that community and um, all of the content creation, Tethered was born uh, this past year, this past summer, myself and my partner, Ernie Power, we launched Tethered along with the help of a whole bunch of super talented fellows from the saddle hunting community and we launched in june and we're really just kind of getting tethered off the ground but i've been involved in saddle hunting for you know a decade now in in kind of pushing the the sport if you want to call it that pushing it forward and and breaking new ground and innovating new things gotcha very cool let's let's break down what this is like for the 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 person that's tapping into this concept for the very first time let's Let's break it down into its rudimentary parts. How does this whole saddle hunting thing work? What are the what are the parts that you need, and what what are some of the things that you should be thinking about if you're just getting started? Well, the, in its most basic form, it's essentially a harness. Uh, a saddle is essentially a harness. If you imagine a rock climbing harness uh, met a swing set, and it was a really comfortable swing set with all of the comfort and safety of a rock climbing harness that's essentially it so you hook up to the tree in front of your body uh, when you're hunting as opposed to hooking up your safety harness at the top of your back in between your shoulders you don't do that in a saddle setup Uh, you wear the saddle around your waist like a uh, a, a rock climbing harness 
and then you, like I said, you hook up your, your lifeline, your tether to the tree in front of you and you, you hang there and sit in it or you kind of lean against it um, and that's how you hunt. So you eliminate the big bulky tree stand, you eliminate wearing a separate safety harness because you're, the whole kit is one piece. Uh, you also need something to rest your feet upon. There's lots of different methods for using uh, what we call a platform. There's generally a, a pivot-style platform, which is, think of it as like a miniature tree stand, which you mentioned earlier, the Predator platform. It's a really tiny uh, platform, uh, a cast aluminum platform that you can use to position yourself for the shot. Or some fellas like to use a ring-style platform, which imagine a ring of screw-in steps or strap-on steps around the trees that enables you to move around the tree and also to rest your feet. At its most basic form, that's what it is. It's a harness and something for your uh, feet. Gotcha. Okay. Who, If you had to, like, summarize who this is for, who, what would you say? Like, what's what type of hunter should this be out there? What type of hunter should adopt this? That's a really interesting question because I... I use the saddle in a very mobile sense, but then I also use the saddle in a very preset way, almost like a traditional tree stand guy that might have, you know, four or five stands set up on, you know, his 40 acre farm. Yep. Uh, I use it in that capacity as well. That's how John Eberhardt uses it. He uses it more like a preset stand. Uh, so he goes in in the spring, which your listeners are very familiar with since he's been a guest on your show. Yep. He goes in in the spring and he preps all his trees. And then when it comes time to hunt, instead of just walking in and sitting on a traditional tree stand, he climbs the tree just like any other hunter would. And then he hooks into his saddle. So for him, he uses it very much in a preset way. I use it that way, but then I also use it in a mobile run and gun kind of way um, where I'm going packing it in and out with me with a climbing method, whether it be uh, screwing steps or a climbing stick like a lone wolf or a muddy climbing stick. Uh, I use it that way a lot too. So I would say that, that 70, 60 to 70% of, of guys that are using the saddle system are primarily using it for a run and gun, a mobile setup. Okay. But then you also have a large majority or, or a large portion of folks that are using it in preset style like Eberhardt does. So uh, it's hard to say which one is the most preferred or the, you know, the most common method. So he's actually set up, so he's gone in and prepped his trees before and, and using it almost like a, a stationary setup is what you're saying. Yeah. He, he rarely, he, John Eberhardt rarely goes in and hunts run and gun or on the fly. He calls it, he calls that freelance hunting. And that is not his preferred method. His preferred method is to go in and prep the tree in advance. And then imagine if you were hunting out of a tree stand, all you would have to do is carry your tree stand in with you and, you know, put it on attached to the tree at the top of whatever climbing method you chose. Instead of doing it that way, he carries in his saddle with him every time and, and attaches it to the tree at the top of his climbing method. Gotcha. All right. So he... And as far as like getting up the tree, what's the preferred method? Is he, is he climbing the tree like bare or is he using sticks or what's, how do you get into the, the position? So this is a huge, this is a big conversation. We could do a whole, a whole podcast just on climbing methods, but 
so we'll talk to two different options. A lot of guys go in uh, and they'll preset a tree with like a screw-in step, you know, like an Amera step. Everybody's seen those before, just a screw-in tree step. Yep. Uh, a lot of guys use uh, stick ladders. I love a stick ladder because they're really inexpensive. They're legal on public yep. land. Um, you can take them in ahead of the season. You know, it's a 20-foot stick ladder that you get at Walmart or, you know, whatever sporting goods store. And they're inexpensive. You take them in, you set them up on the tree ahead of time, and that way you don't have to carry in any climbing method. If you're hunting the mobile style, there's a lot of options, like like I mentioned previously. And you've got lone wolf sticks, you've got muddy sticks, you've got hot helium sticks. And then one of my favorite products is actually a, a product called the Wild Edge Step Ladder. Um, which is a really innovative product that most people have never heard of. But the climbing method question is not a super easy one to answer um, because there's a lot of different options out there and a lot of them that work really well. If I had to pick one for a mobile climbing option, mm -hmm. I would pick the Wild Edge Step Ladder. If I had to pick one preset method, I would pick a inexpensive stick ladder. Okay. All right. And if you're if you're mobile, like running and gunning, so to speak, is are these like uh, sticks like you'd you'd hear about uh, that you strap on, or how do how do how do those get set up? Yes, so it's a strap on stick. Um, we'll just use the lone wolf option because it's so popular. Okay. So it's a I think it's a thirty two inch stick, uh, and it comes with a uh, a. A, a cam buckle attachment method. So you walk up to the tree, yep. you've got these three or four sticks, however, however many you need to get to the height you want to hunt. Um, most people pick either three or four and you walk up to the tree, you put the lone wolf stick. It's an aluminum uh, square tubing stick against the tree. You run the cam buckle around it. You ratchet it down or, or, or tighten it down. And there you go. You've got, you know, a three foot stick on the tree. You repeat the process as you climb. And you can get to, you know, whatever height you want to, uh, hunt at. Right. Okay. All right. And, and then once you get, and I'm, I'm familiar with the stick climbing method, I do it a, a fair amount, but I'm doing it with a heavier stand. So from there for me, that a person that's familiar with the stick climbing and, and throwing a, it's not an incredibly heavy stand, but it's heavy enough. It's heavier than anything you guys are using for sure. From there, the conversion from the person that's using the 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 it's kind of like a hang on system, I guess, is what we're using. But um, so from there, if I'm using your system, what's the next step once I get to the top of my ladder system? Where do I go there? So it's really simple. So when you get to the top of your climbing system, you're gonna you're gonna attach your platform, either uh, the predator platform from Tethered, which is super user friendly. You can attach it in like 10 seconds. It's rock solid. Um, it's a great option. Or if you're going to use a ring style platform, you would just pass your ring, uh, ring of steps around the tree. Most people like to put it on a ratchet strap. Uh, you ratchet that down nice and tight and your platform is ready. At that point, um, I would go ahead and attach my tether to the tree, which your tether is a 6,000 pound uh, rated piece of climbing rope. Um, essentially it's the same thing as, as a lot of tree stand guys use with their safety harness. You would attach your, your rope or your webbing to the tree and then hook into my saddle as opposed to where the tree stand guy would hook into their safety harness. I hook into my saddle 
and I'm hunting. I'm, I'm ready to go. So there's no pulling that metal tree stand up and fixing, you know, a couple of ratchets or whatever it is you got to do. Um, it's a much faster process. It's a much quieter process and it's a lot less labor intensive as well. Hmm. Okay. So you're, you're either mounting your, your circular steps or your predator platform, which is just enough. And, and then you, so you've got a support system with the, the saddle itself, and then you're placing your feet on either the pedals or the platform, which is just enough that, and it sounds like you're not putting, so you're not putting all your weight on the platform anymore. You're putting half of your weight or a lot of your weight in the saddle attached to the tree at the whole, the whole time. And the, the leather, the lineman belt or the, the, what you're tethering yourself to, to the tree is like a lineman's belt. Um, it looks like in a variety of lengths is what you're saying. Yep. You can, uh, generally most people for their tether, um, which is your main support line. So your tether is a super important piece of gear. It is, it's a piece of, like I said, climbing rated rope. The ones that I use are, they're rated at 6,000 pounds and I attach that to the tree and then I attach it to my saddle with a climbing rated carabiner. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's it. I'm, I'm fully connected to the tree. The lineman belt I use only when climbing. So I'm connected to the tree from the, from the ground all the way up to hunting height. Uh, you know, and that's a, that's a big deal for safety. A lot of guys climb without any sort of attachment to the tree and you're just begging for an accident to happen at that point. But your lineman belt makes you safe during your climb. And then when you get up to hunting height, before I remove my lineman belt, I always attach my tether. So I'm, I'm hooked up 100% of the time from ground to hunting height. Okay. All right. Let's go on a divergence here just for a second. And I want to get back to our conversation about the systems that tethered has developed. But to understand where Tethered has, is now, I want to go back in time and help people understand where these systems used to be, right? So go, going back to like the, the John Eberhardt system from when he first doing it, uh, or first started doing it, what, were, what was it like then and where has it developed over the last 30 years? So the saddles originated from uh, the arborist community, uh, tree trimmers uh, back in the day. That's kind of where it got its start. And one of the earliest saddles, uh, they weren't called saddles then. It was called the Big Buck Sling or the Anderson Tree Sling. That was one of the earliest ones that I found. That is actually the product that John Eberhart has used for 40-odd 40, 40 years. And he still uses a modified version of that uh, in some capacity today. He started to, to use the tethered system um, a little bit to work it into his system. But he's been using the same thing for 40 years. So uh, trying to learn a new system is maybe not the best practice for him. But uh, to answer your question, um, it started with the Anderson Big Buck Sling or the Anderson Tree Sling. And that was essentially a couple of pieces of two-inch webbing, three to five pieces of two-inch webbing sewn in uh, somewhat of a sling. It resembles like a, a swing set, to be honest, the, just the, the seat of a swing. And you would strap that around your butt. You have a little bit of a belt and it had a webbing bridge where you would climb to and then attach a long piece of webbing to a tree. And you would hook up a steel stainless steel carabiner to that saddle. And that's how you would hunt. There was no platforms, no nothing like that. Um, guys were pretty much driving nails or, 
using screw-in steps or whatever it was to rest their feet to use them to give themselves the, the ability to position for a shot. That was way back when in the uh, uh, 60s, 70s, and then in, I don't remember the year, but a company by the name of Trophy Line started producing the Trophy Line tree saddle. It was actually started by uh, Green's tree saddle, but then that morphed into a company called Trophy Line. And most people that know about saddle hunting, they know about it because of Trophy Line. So Trophy Line went out of business about uh, 15 to 20 years ago, but their products, the Trophy Line tree saddle, they had three different models. They had a, a mesh version, a neoprene version, and a leather version. They were heavy and kind of bulky, a little cumbersome, really overbuilt. Uh, it was really kind of uh, cumbersome is really just the best word. I, I hunted out of one of their products from 2009 uh, until uh, probably, I don't know, four, four years ago, four or five years ago, something like that. And it, it was a, it was a good product. Um, it did what it was supposed to do. It was incredibly safe. It was comfortable enough, um, for me, but it just missed the mark in a lot of ways. And that is kind of what led to the development of, of these new saddles that have been created. But that's kind of the genesis of the evolution of, of saddle hunting kind of back in the seventies and eighties with the Anderson big buck sling. Mm. Uh, and there were a few other products in here that I'm skipping over, but that's the that's the the high level overview from the Anderson tree sling to the Trophy Line tree saddle, and to kind of now where we are where we are now with these ultralight, really scaled down versions, yet without sacrificing any safety. Okay, all right. So you took that's what your goal was. It sounds like that was the mission to not sacrifice any safety, if not add to the safety aspect but to make everything more lightweight, was that the goal? That was the number one goal. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with rock climbing, if you've ever done it, if you've ever been to a rock climbing gym or not, mm -hmm. but these guys that are rock climbers, they are hanging hundreds of feet in the air. Sometimes they're, you know, climbing Mount Everest with these harnesses. They only weigh a few ounces. They're nothing but webbing and they're extremely safe. And yet we're looking at the products that were available in the hunting market and they were big and heavy and bulky and cumbersome. And, and I said, you know, there's, why don't we just adapt what the rock climbers are using, which we know is overkill in, in regards to safety for hunting purposes. We don't have near the dynamic movements that a rock climber might have. Uh, we're not ascending and descending rapidly. It's, it's just a completely less uh, dynamic version of hunting or of, of climbing that we do versus a, a rock climber. So I said, well, if it works for them, certainly it works for us. So we started looking at ways to incorporate the technology that that, that stuff uses into hunting products. And that's where we developed uh, the Mantis saddle from really stealing a lot of ideas from the climbing industry. Gotcha. Okay. And, and that makes sense. I mean, they've been doing rock climbing for years and years and years and, and safely. So let's, um, let's drag that into the hunting industry and, and make that safe too. That makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. Yeah. All right. So going back to our conversation about how to do this, you, you gave us kind of the, the breakdown of what we needed to get started and how we get up the tree. Um, speaking of safety, as you just described, how safe is this thing? The beautiful part about saddle hunting is you cannot go to the tree and hunt without it. Now, I know a lot of folks that are friends of mine, family, 
hunting buddies that do not use a safety harness whatsoever. Even in even in today's day and age where every single yep. tree stand that's sold has a safety harness, a lot of hunters do not use them. Then you've got the hunter that uses them, but they're not religious about it. So, you know, they get halfway down the trail. Oh, crap. I forgot my safety harness. Well, I'm not going to turn around and get it. I'll be safe. It'll be fine just this once. That type of hunter. With the saddle setup, you cannot hunt without it. Your safety harness and your, you know, quote unquote tree stand, it's the same product. So if you forget your saddle, you may as well head back to the truck because you're not hunting a tree that day. Uh, it's incredibly safe. Plus the way that it's manufactured and designed to be used, you're connected to the tree from the time you leave the ground all the way up to hunting height. So you have a lineman belt that you use to uh, hold yourself against the tree while you're climbing. And then once you get up there, like I mentioned previously, at the top of your climbing method, then you hook up your 6,000-pound rope tether to your saddle harness before you ever unclip your lineman belt. And you're basically never untethered from to the tree for the entire duration of your hunt. Gotcha. All right. So you, whatever climbing system you're using, there are multiple ones to use, whether it's sticks or some other version. That, that, that has to go with you. You've got your harness with you that you strap on like you would your your – um, safety belt or your the harness you're actually using is like your tree stand harness that you probably use, except you're going to use this instead. And then you're putting your lineman belt attached to the tree to climb. And then once you get there, you're pay, basically taking a longer lineman's belt and that's your tether, if I'm not mistaken this correctly. Yep, that's exactly right. And then, you know, not to mention the safety that's built into the saddle itself. So, uh, our, our the mantis saddle which is the tethered product is um it's rated for thousands and thousands of pounds i mean we put a 350 pound limit on it but that's more for legal reasons to be honest i mean you could if we test it when we test it to failure it's you know you're talking five six thousand pounds that this thing will hold those are the strengths of the strength of the materials that are used is is way overkill for any sort of hunting scenario. Okay. So you're not going to find somebody that's going to be able to rip this thing that, uh, uh, that's of, uh, of human nature, unless you start to use knives and to cut it or something like that. Like this is not, it's not that it's not that it's indestructible, but man, you got to really, really do some damage to, to break this thing down. You'd have to do it on purpose. I mean, this yeah. thing could hold a Jeep in a tree. Okay, there you go. That there's a good example. It could it would hold a jeep in a tree. That's how strong this stuff is. Absolutely, it would hold a jeep. Okay, some of the complaints I've gotten from my friends that have tried saddle harness hunting previously, their biggest complaint is that it's too uncomfortable. Okay, and this is going back a ways. I brought up the the idea that you know maybe we should try some saddle hunting to reduce the size of our pack so that we can be more comfortable getting in and out. And, and, and maybe we, you know, at the end of the day, if it is comfortable enough with the new stuff, maybe that maybe you do do the, the John setup where you pre-treat trees and, you know, kind of like you would a, a set system. But in this case, there's still the comfortability factor that people have in their head who have tried these things in the past and it takes time to get used to where where is the comfort level with your technology now that would that you've developed because i'm assuming along with safety and and weight 
there has to be a comfortability factor because if you're not comfortable in the tree stand, you're, you're not going to be there for very long. You're not going to use the system. So in order to make a business out of it, you better make it comfortable. Um, what have you done there to make this better? Well, there, there's a range of comfort in elevated hunting products. So I would say at the extreme comfort range, and you've got something like a, a big summit Goliath climber tree stand, which is basically like a lazy boy in the tree. Right. Oh, they're, mean, they're super comfortable. Yep. I'm with you. Yeah. And it's a trade-off, right? So you get extreme comfort, but you have terrible portability. Uh, you've got extreme, you know, extreme weight that, you know, maybe it's only 25 pounds, but when you're talking, comparing hunting products, that's at the extremely heavy end of the spectrum. So you got extreme weight, but you also get extreme comfort. Um, with a product like a lightweight uh, mobile hang-on tree stand, you get, you know, more towards the middle of, of weight. You know, you're saving a lot of weight, but you're also sacrificing some of the comfort. So there's a trade-off, right? With any system you use, there's a back and forth. You, you, you gain something here and you maybe lose something here. With a saddle setup, you're, you're gaining, you're really making big uh, wins on the white, on the weight and the, um, bulk side so it's huge savings but for some people they sacrifice a little bit of comfort now me personally um i find it extremely comfortable not as comfortable as a summit tree stand but more comfortable than a hang-on uh lock-on style tree stand now it took some time to get there most people it does take a little bit of trial and effort. It takes um, a little bit of dedication to figure it out. I call it saddle shape. Um, it doesn't really refer to your level of fitness, you know, how fast you can run, how many push-ups you can do. But when you're hanging in a tree, facing the tree, it just puts different pressure on your body. It's different geometry. The physics of it are different. So for folks that are used to hanging uh, or sitting in a traditional tree stand, it's just different. So it takes some time. Um, that's normal. A lot of guys will try it once or twice and go, Oh, this thing isn't comfortable. It sucks. Well, that's, you know, maybe it was true for the first couple of times you used it, but the more you use it and the more you get into saddle shape and the more you figure out your system, the more comfortable you can get. Now we did some things pretty uh, innovative in our Mantis saddle in order to get after that comfort to make it easier for people to find the comfort that they need in a elevated hunting tool. So we used a two-way stretch mil-spec mesh, which gives a little, it gives you, gives you great support under your butt, but it also kind of stretches and gives when you need it. Um, we developed the Predator platform, whereas in the past people were standing on screw in steps or tiny little, you know, nails driven into the tree, which was really uncomfortable. Even for me as an experienced saddle hunter, I didn't find it to be that comfortable. However, the predator platform adds an incredible amount of comfort because it's a solid place to put your feet. It allows you to, um, kind of lean back into the saddle. If your butt does start to get a little bit sore, which it, it doesn't after you're used to the system, but in the beginning it might. Um, and then we develop products like, the SBW heater, which is a, which is a, um, a warmer for the saddle. So if you're hunting in extreme temperatures, like where you are, or it's really cold in the late season, you add that heater, which makes it even more comfortable. Uh, we developed the Mantis recliner, which is a back support system for the saddle, which uh, makes it even more comfortable. So I know plenty of guys that hunt all day long out of a saddle. There's zero comfort issues for me. 
now that I'm an experienced saddle hunter, um, absolutely zero issues with comfort. But I, I can't stress enough that saddle shape is a real thing. It does take a little bit of practice in your backyard to figure out the system and to figure out how it works for your body. Cause everybody's different. Um, you know, we talk about different, different heights that you might set your tether, which is where you tie into the tree. Some guys really like to tie it in above their head as high as they can reach. And other guys like to tie into the tree as low down as their chest. So you're talking, you know, a foot to two foot of difference in where you tie into the tree. And every time you move that thing a couple of inches, it's going to change the geometry of how the saddle fits on your body. And therefore it changes your comfort level. So a lot of it just depends on, you know, getting in the backyard for 15 minutes and shooting your bow and saying, Oh, you know, I think I need to move it up higher or I'm going to move it down lower. Um, but if you're, if, if you, when you see the advantages that you get with the weight and the bulk savings, if you, if you're willing to spend, you know, just a little bit of time figuring it out and, and not, not, you know, go with the knee jerk reaction of, Oh, that can't be comfortable then what you'll find is that, you know, almost everyone finds it to be a very comfortable way of hunting. Okay. All right. Good to know. Let's, let's go back and focus a little bit more on climbing the tree itself. I know you said you could use sticks, but what, what are the multiple methods that people are using to climb? And I assume that you're either packing these things in with you at the time that you're going to hunt or you've pre, pre-mounted them expect like John might, uh, to prep the tree, like maybe the sticks or climbing devices are already there. Um, what are some of the ways that people are, or all the ways that people are getting up the tree when using your system? Well, the, the one that you just mentioned, the preset way, that's, that is the most user-friendly. If you're willing to go in ahead of time, maybe you hunt private land where you can, you know, go in and you're not worried about someone stealing your stuff or you're not worried about giving away your spots to other hunters, then presetting your tree is a really great way to do it. I mean, you just walk up, you climb either the stick ladder, the climbing sticks, the screw in steps, whatever permanent method you've chosen to attach to the tree. Um, you just climb up and hunt. That is the, the best way to do it. The most user-friendly, but if that's not an option for you or you choose to be more of a mobile hunter, well, there's, there's a really a lot of options. So you've got the climbing stick option, which is probably the most popular. Now there's lots of even climbing sticks within that. You can use a lone wolf stick, a muddy stick, um, a hawk helium stick. Uh, there's a small group of folks on, over on the beast hunting forum. They've developed their own stick called the beast stick. Um, there are guys that, that take, um, I'm one of these guys that take a climbing aider and will attach that to your stick so you can get more height out of each stick. And thus, you know, you'd only have to carry two or three sticks as opposed to four or five sticks. Um, the climbing, climbing stick method is very simple. It's very user-friendly. It's very easy to comprehend. It's not complicated. You just, you know, you, you attach the stick to the tree, buckle it down and you're climbing. It's really simple. So that's probably the most popular and probably the most user-friendly method. Then you, you get into other methods that I tend to like. Um, I use climbing spurs a lot, like a, an arborist would use or a lineman uh, worker would use. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I use those a whole heck of a lot whenever it's legal. If I'm hunting on private land or if I'm hunting on public land where they're not illegal, that is my go-to method. I have a set of uh, gecko carbon fiber climbing spurs. They weigh about three pounds. 
and I can climb any tree in the woods to any height I want in less than five minutes with not even really breaking a sweat. It is a very efficient, very simple method. Um, but it does take some, there's a learning curve to it. And you also have to worry about the legality of it. Yeah. So it's not legal in all, all areas. Um, and some people even have, you know, an ethical problem with, you know, does it damage the tree? That's something that, you, you know, each person has to decide for themselves. Right. Um, so that's a good method. Um, my preferred method, I really have two preferred methods. I have the spurs, which we just talked about, which when I can use them, I'm going to use those. Um, if I'm hunting in a piece of public land or even private land, maybe where the owner doesn't want anything screwed into the tree. So no, nothing that penetrates the bark or certain types of public land where you're not allowed to put anything into the tree that, that damages the tree or that penetrates the bark. My preferred method for that is the wild edge step ladder. And I use the step ladder with a climbing aider, a five-step climbing aider. So I can, uh, carry less metal into the woods and get higher per, per with every step. Now my method, again, it seems like everything I do has a little bit of a learning curve, but that's just part of the fun for it for me, I guess. But, uh, so my, my wild edge stepladder method weighs about five pounds and I can get to about 25 to 28 feet on pretty much any tree in the woods. And it only takes me about 10 minutes. Uh, and it fits in a tiny little day pack. So um, if you haven't noticed, I'm a big fan of lightweight and less bulk um, just because this, this, the way that I tend to find myself hunting, that is very important to me. I'm either walking a long way or I'm going through thick stuff or I'm accessing on my boat and so or my kayak. So I don't want a lot of big bulky gear weighing me down. Um, so I pretty much find the lightest and the least bulky way for me to climb. And for me, that's a set of climbing spurs or a set of wild edge step ladders. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it's in this side note, this is fascinating to me when you talk about the spurs, because my dad w was a lineman before he, he re uh, retired. He was a lineman with the telephone company. And when I was a kid, I used to watch him climb these telephone poles because I'd go with him on, you know, in a, when I didn't, we didn't have daycare. And if I wasn't in like kindergarten, he'd bring me out with him in the truck and he'd go up the telephone poles with his spurs on like nothing and come down even faster. And it, would, oh, it, it must have resonated in my head. And this must be where my fascination with these, with these things that you're doing is is coming from because my dad used to do it. I used to see my dad do this as a kid like man that would be a great way to get up a tree and down a tree um it's the best yeah it, it is absolutely my favorite way to do it like i said my my climbing spurs they're they weigh about three pounds they're carbon fiber i mean i don't even know that it, they're in my pack um they are so light and i get to the base of the tree that i want to climb it takes I don't know, a minute, minute and a half to put them on. And then, I mean, once you're practiced with these things and you're, you're comfortable with them, I mean, you, you, you saw your dad do it. I mean, you yeah. can be 30 feet, 20 to 30 feet up a tree in I'm talking no time, less than a couple of minutes. Yeah. It, it, it's easy. It's fast. It's quiet. Um, there's just not a whole lot of downsides to them other than the fact that, you know, it, it's illegal in some places. So obviously I, I would never want someone to do it where it's illegal, but if it's legal, 
and you don't have a you know an ethical problem with climbing a tree with spurs i mean it's a great way to do it and i like i said i want to do that every single time i hunt where it's legal yeah and and that's that's right and you know there are issues with legality of course that you don't want to step into but if you have that ability it's an interesting way i think there is a learning curve there though i mean my dad obviously got training from the phone company and he he was actually a communication specialist with the the air force and so he he had to do that there too he did it for the military did it for uh civilian life but it's if you can master that it's a really effective and efficient way to do that. So I think it was, you really uh, nailed something there. That was pretty neat. Absolutely. And and the beautiful part about nowadays is we have YouTube. I mean, you can jump on YouTube and watch five or six, you know, quote unquote, how to climb with spurs videos. And you will have all of the basics you need to go out in the backyard or, you know, on a piece of ground where it's legal to use them and practice. That's what I did. Um, when I bought my spurs, I, I went out to a piece of public land where they were legal to use. And I, I just started climbing different trees. Now I got to be honest, the first two to three times I went out and practiced, I absolutely hated it. I felt so unsafe. I felt so awkward. I considered selling them online on a forum because it just, it didn't work for me, but I saw the weight advantages and and the speed advantages. And I said, you know, I'm going to keep trying it. And so I kept at it. And after five or six practice tries, I started to get more comfortable. Um, You know, at first I wouldn't even go more than two or three feet above the ground because I was so nervous and I was so scared. I felt totally unsafe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, you know, I, every time I went, I'd go a little bit higher and, uh, and I got to, I just got to, got comfortable on them. And once you get comfortable on them, and like you said, you, you figure out that learning curve, then, you know, now three years later, I can just fly up a tree and I feel completely safe doing it. Let's take a little coffee break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation about the tree harness with Greg Godfrey from Tethered. I still can't believe that's all you're taking. I got everything I need all in one bag. Rackology Deer Supplement and Attractant, developed through years of intense scientific research, comes a product that puts it all in one bag. Superior Attractant, scientifically formulated vitamins and minerals, and all at a much better price. To get yours today, please check out Rackology.org for a list of dealers. Rackology, how can you afford not to use it? Everything deer need, all in one bag. Hunter-friendly coffee retailers are great, but ever wonder where they buy it from? Now there's a company that imports directly from farmers, zero middlemen, roasts it, and ships it right to your door. From the farmer's fields to your morning cup, Hunter's Blend Coffee has been in the hands of hunters. Through their giving, your coffee supports the RMEF, Whitetails Unlimited, and Women's Hunting Associations, and many others. Now you can defend hunting one cup at a time. Not bad for a cup of coffee. And did I mention, it is so good. And now back to our conversation about the tree harness with Greg Godfrey from Tethered. So you talk about and have talked about on this show, but on your website, you've talked about the the inexpensive stick ladders you can buy at places like Walmart or Sportsman's Guide. I'm just reading right off your website here. Um, the portable climbing sticks. And I've got a set of, I don't know, several of these, the Lone Wolves, the um, the Muddies, the Hawks, the Heliums, uh, Dan Infault at, uh, over at the Beast. They're doing some now that look pretty innovative um screwing steps obviously those have been around for years but you got some, probably some legality issues there too that you, like you do with your spurs you can't really necessarily screw into every tree so you got to kind of watch your step there 
no pun intended. Um, yeah. Right. And then you get the, the wild edge steps are intriguing. Um, those, you want to break those down a little bit about how those work? So the wild edge step is a really interesting product. It's been around for years. Um, it was invented by a fellow by the name of Jim, Jim step and it's S T E P P. He's got two P's in his name. And well, so he called it the, uh, the step ladder, the S T E P P ladder. Talk and about irony there, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that guy was, was born to invent a climbing step. Um, but he invented it and he patented it back. Ha, I'm going to butcher the dates, but I want to say back in the late eighties, early nineties. And this was before the internet. So he was trying to sell them in catalogs. His, his biggest, his biggest sales channel was the LL bean catalog. And you know, there was no e-commerce, there was no YouTube, there was no hunting forums where people uh, could learn about these things. And so it never really got the traction that I feel like it deserved. So fast forward to the early 2000s, um, you know, 2010, 11, I, I want to say maybe 2012 timeframe. And um, a fellow by the name of Drew Walter, um, he's a military veteran. He was a hunting partner of, um, of Jim Stepp he bought the business from, from Jim. And, and I found them at that point and I started using them and they're a great product. If again, like I said, if you're willing to put in a little bit of effort and you're, you're not so concerned with the plug and play method, uh, it's a really great item to use, but essentially it's a, it's a single step. So as opposed to a climbing stick where you put on um, you put the stick onto the tree and then you have one, two, or three steps with that single, that single stick. The step ladder is you get one step. So you attach it, you know, every, however, however tall you are, you know, that's how, that's how tall you are, how high you attach your steps. So it takes a lot more step ladders to get to the same height as a conventional climbing stick, whereas you might be able to get to 20 feet with four lone wolf sticks it's going to take you 12 or 12 or so wild edge steps to get to that same hunting height so so it's kind of hard to describe in words on a podcast but it's a single step and you attach those as you climb now the way that i found them to be really user friendly is if you use them in conjunction with some sort of climbing aider now wild edge which is the company that drew walter founded um they sell the step ladders now and wild edge they built a an aider um which is a product they sell on their website and that's a great way to use less steps to get to the same height um, me the way i use them is i use a, a five-step climbing aider that was built by the mountain climbing industry again you see the influence is there it's, right, a, it's right. a super lightweight webbing aider it's got five steps I attached the wild edge step ladder, um, above my head. So at about six to six and a half feet, um, I attach it there and then I clip on my, my climbing aider to that. So now I can get six to seven feet per wild edge step ladder, which means with three or four of them, I'm at hunting height and it only weighs about five pounds. Uh, again, there's a learning curve. You have to figure out how to use it in your backyard before you go and you try to climb a tree to 25 feet. Right. Um, but if you're willing to put in that little bit of time and effort, you can save yourself a ton of weight and bulk. 
Gotcha. All right. So, the, and you're right. It's hard to visualize on a podcast, but you're, you're, there are videos that you can access, I assume, on like the tethered websites or the tethered YouTube channels that would show your method. Is that correct? Yeah, there's nothing on the tethered YouTube channel, but I, I have some on my own personal YouTube channel where okay. I demonstrate how to do all of the methods that we talked about. Um, I show them in great detail. Okay. So you're, you you look at your and once you get up the you have this platform like we talked about the steps and the, you talk about the 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 platform itself how do you attach this to the tree and how much weight can you put on this platform? Uh, well, it's really easy to attach first of all. So we use a cam buckle strap. Um, you're familiar. You have. You said you have lone wolf sticks, right? Yeah, I've got lone wolf muddies. Um, I, I, I bought a, a, a variety of them to try them all out, and it turns out I I use the each one of them for different applications. Um, but yes, I've got uh, I've got several. Yeah. So our predator platform uses the same attachment method as the lone wolf climbing stick. So the lone wolf uh, stick has the the versa button that you just loop the ends of the strap around, and then you cinch it down. Uh, our our predator platform is is exactly the same, except that our you know quote unquote versa button, um, whereas the lone wolf style is a bolt and a piece of plastic uh, um, that makes up the versa button. Ours is is a is cast into the mold, so ours is uh, aircraft grade aluminum cast into the actual platform. But you you attach it the same way. So you put the tree put the platform against the tree. You pass your strap around the tree, loop it over the little button, cinch it down, and then cam over the platform, and you're done. It takes about 10 to 15 seconds to attach to the tree. It's absolutely quiet. There's no noise, um, and you can do it on pretty much any size tree that you, that's, you can fit the strap around. The strap is uh, six foot long, so pretty much any tree you can climb, you can use the platform on it. Gotcha. All right. Very cool. Now... And this is, I guess this is the ultimate question. You get yourself up in the tree through multiple methods. You get your platform set up. You've got a methodology for shooting. Some And, and you discuss the, the straight-on shot um, and the 360 abilities. But let's break down the shot. Because once you do all this work, you get up in the tree, you're, you got your bow. I don't know, maybe you got a gun. I don't know. But at least you got your bow. And... Uh, how does the shooting change? You know, I can see, you know, if you go, if you shoot from an elevated platform from the ground, there's a change there, right? That it's a different feel altogether. You get to practice how you hunt, but how do you shoot from this system? And what are the different ways you can shoot both, uh, from the stand setup that you have and uh, maybe a, a 360 version? How did that, how does that all work? Yeah, so it, it does vary a little bit how you shoot based on your platform choice. So let's uh, let's talk about it first from the the predator style platform, okay. um, and then we'll we'll jump into the ring style platform. Uh, so so let's th- let's think of it. Think of the tree that we're hunting as a clock, right? So you're sitting at six o'clock, and the tree is you know at noon and straight in front of you. And when I set up to hunt. I always, I'm a, first of all, I'm a right-handed shooter. And so we'll talk about this from the perspective of a right-handed shooter. So, uh, now if you're sitting in a tree stand and you're facing away from the tree and you're right-handed shooter, most people 
set up to where the expected shot would be off to their left, right? Because in a tree stand, it's really easy to just grab your bow. And if the deer comes anywhere from, from your left, it's really easy to just raise your bow and shoot. You don't have to move. You don't have to do anything. Most people even take that shot sitting down, I, I would assume, right? Is that how you do it, Jay? Say that again, Greg. If, you, if, if you're setting up in a traditional tree stand, you're facing away from the tree, yep. most people set up to where the deer, where their shot is going to be to their left or kind of you yes, know, maybe right, right in front of them, but more off to the left just right. because it's, there's no movement really involved. You just kind of yeah. pick up your bow and you can even shoot from the seated position in a tr- traditional tree stand, right? Right. Pre- preferably you shoot straight or to the left, to the right, it becomes a little, a lot more difficult because you've got your strap in the, in the, in your way. Uh, and the deer always go to the right, even though you want yeah. them to go to the front or the left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the other problem area in a tree stand is shooting directly behind you, which would be where the tree is. It's, it's incredibly difficult to shoot a deer that is directly behind you in a traditional tree stand okay so people are familiar with that so now let's let's flip it around because in a saddle you hunt facing the tree so it's a little bit different so now you've got the tree at 12 o'clock you're hanging at six o'clock i always set up my preferred shot where i think i'm going to shoot the deer is going to be from like noon through uh let's say like seven o'clock because that is the easiest shot to make in a saddle it's the same exact method or process that you would use in a traditional tree stand. You would just grab your bow and from a seated position in a saddle facing the tree, you don't have to move. All you do is you just draw your bow and make the shot. Just like you would in a tree stand, there's virtually no difference. That that shot from 12 to 7 o'clock or so is very, very easy to make. It's intuitive. It's simple. Um, and that really goes for a predator style platform or the, the ring style platform. It's essentially the same. You don't have to move. Now, if you want to sh- make the shot, let's say the deer comes to your right, which like you mentioned in a tree stand, that's a very difficult shot to make. That's the most difficult shot to make in a tree saddle as well, just because it's, it's awkward. There's a couple different ways you can make the shot. So in a predator style platform or a pivot style platform, you would just turn away from the tree. Uh, you would turn counterclockwise until you rotated your hips and your body around enough to where you could make the shot. Or you can stand straight up on the platform, just like you were in a tree stand, turn to the right clockwise until you're facing the direction of the animal, and then you can make the shot. It's very, very simple to do. And, and in that regard, that's how you can shoot 360 degrees, whereas in a tree stand, it's difficult to shoot 360 degrees because of the dead zone of the tree um, directly behind you. In a saddle, you don't have that dead zone because you can, you know, move your body more to get around the tree. And, and that's where the 360 degree shooting claim comes from. You can truly shoot 360 degrees around the tree. Um, the shot to your left is the most common method and it's really easy, but with a little bit of practice, you can also shoot off to your right as well. Gotcha. Okay. And that's off of the platform. Yeah, off the off the the predator style platform or the pivot style platform. That that is the easiest way to make these shots. Okay. Um, if if you were on a ring style platform, what most guys would do is walk around the tree. You know, you're sitting at six o'clock. In order to shoot off to your right, what most guys would do is walk around the tree clockwise until their body was more in the uh, 12 o'clock position. And then they would make the shot from there. Okay. So they're, they're, they're actually 
systems that wrap around the tree that you can almost walk like uh, all the way around the tree. Is that, am I hearing that right? Yeah, exactly. You can do that. You can walk all the way around the tree with a, with a ring style platform. Gotcha. And that's not something you sell. That's, that's a, a separate thing altogether. Yeah, that's a separate thing altogether at this time. We don't, Tether doesn't offer a ring style platform right now. Okay. All right. Gotcha. All right. So that, that kind of explains how, how you shoot, how, when you were first doing this, um, and, and getting into the, the platform or, or just the, the system itself, what was the shooting like? Like what, as opposed to just what the shots are, what was the experience like? What are people saying outside of, or who are using this? What are they saying about the experience of the shot? Obviously you have firsthand knowledge, but what are some other, the other hunters in addition to yourself saying? So most guys find it awkward at first, um, to shoot, uh, only, only because it's so different. I mean, you, you generally, when you're shooting your bow, you have your feet, you know, you're standing straight up and down. Right. And, and you have your feet on solid ground. That's how most guys practice. So it can be a, a, a little awkward right at first. That's why I always recommend guys set up, uh, in the backyard and, and practice a little bit ahead of time with your bow. But what most guys find once they've done it a few times is that it's a, it's an incredibly stable platform uh, to shoot from because a lot of times when I'm shooting, I'll put my knee on the tree and then I have a foot on a platform. So I've got, and then, you know, the saddle is actually holding all the weight in my hips and my butt. So I've got three points of contact generally at all time. Um, and you, it's just a really stable way of shooting. Most guys say the same thing that they're able to keep better form, um, because you don't have to, uh, um, worry about sitting down from a seated position. Um, you can accomplish the same form in a traditional tree stand if you're standing up, but it can be a little awkward for some guys in a traditional tree stand if they're shooting sitting down, but you don't really encounter those problems um, in a tree saddle setup uh, just because of the way you kind of lean back and the geometry is a little different. So I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's, there's not a learning curve because there is, but once you've, once you spent 15 minutes in the backyard shooting from the saddle, you're, you'll feel like a pro. Gotcha. All right. The, the, the strap system or the, 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 the line that attaches to your saddle, does that, does that go from the front above your shoulders or how does that kind of work into your shot? Is it coming from behind you? How does that all connect? Or is it just, is it just one, one connector? Yeah. So there's, there's two pieces that go into that. So first, the first thing is what, what we call a bridge. And that is a piece of rope that goes from one hip to the other, and it's about 30 inches long. So just imagine a 30-inch rope that you tied to each hip, and then you pulled it out in front of you. You'd have, you know, like an arc in front of you. Mm -hmm. Then you take your tether, which is a, again, 6,000-pound test piece of climbing rope that is attached to the tree that we use a climbing-rated uh, aluminum carabiner on that tether, and that attaches to your bridge. So everything is out in front of you. And your 30-inch bridge gives you the ability to pivot uh, your hips inside of that carabiner so you can slide back and forth, which makes shooting easier. But, yeah, there's nothing attached to your back um, like you would in a traditional tree stand. None of that. It's all in front of you uh, with basically one line coming from the tree, the tether, attached to that bridge, which is right in front of you. Okay. The, the platform itself, what's the weight? rated on that could you just stand up on that without actually um 
sitting in the saddle? Yeah, you, you can. Um, so in our preliminary testing, uh, the platform broke um, in between 400 and 700 pounds. Um, but then we actually went back to the drawing board and added some more strength to the thing. And we're actually in the process of getting the new model tested. We expect that it's going to pull well over a thousand pounds. Um, but I can't say 100% for sure that that is the case just because we haven't gotten the test results back. We're in the process of doing that now, but, uh, we put, we put a weight rating on it of 300 pounds just to be safe. Um, but yeah, you can, you can stand up on it. A lot of, I know a lot of guys that, and I do the same thing, but that stand up for the majority of their hunt. And if you're going to do that, the predator is a great option for that because you can stand up on it, turn around, put your back against the tree and just stand there. And now all of a sudden you've got a three and a half pound, you know, quote unquote tree stand, as opposed to a, you know, 15 or 20 pound tree stand. Yeah. That's very attractive to me. Like a three and a half pound tree stand that I can actually stand in and then just figuring out if I had the saddle, I could technically sit down and you know, yep. take the weight off if I need to temporarily. But typically it's not a, you know, I'm not an, I'm not typically an all day hunter or if I am, I'm going to go to a new spot. If something didn't move during the day, I might want to get closer to the bed, for example, uh, yep. knowing that they're going to come out in the evening. I want to kind of be um, still hunting the beds, but I want to get maybe to a slightly closer position once they pass through and I'm going to, I might move. So, but yes, I can see how, just having that that ability just to kind of take the pressure off your legs and and alternate a little bit here and there, not moving too much, but I I, I can see how that would work. That that's yep. really good. I know guys that will will go in, you know, at the beginning of the hunt, you know, when it's slow and quiet, nothing's really moving quite yet, and they'll just kind of sit there, you know, for the first hour, hour and a half of the hunt, and then once it starts getting into you know golden hour or you know go time when most deer move then they'll go ahead and stand up, turn around, put their back against the tree and pretty much stand there the entire time. Yep. Yep. That makes complete sense to me. Okay. Yep. All right. So this is the other issue is that some of the, the people that I'm talking to are saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not a stick figure. I'm not, I'm not a little guy. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a overweight 50 year old. What do you say to that? And how do you decide what the sizings are? Well, first of all, age is not an excuse. Uh, are you familiar with uh, gentleman Warren Womack, the uh, Louisiana legend? No, I'm not, uh, but you've got my attention. Okay. So Mr. Womack is, he is, his nickname is the Louisiana legend. He has killed hundreds and hundreds of critters uh, from a traditional tree stand. And he is, I'm going to give you the wrong age, but he is in his mid to late seventies. He is, I want to say he's 77 years old. He picked up a saddle last year and learned how to do it. And he is a part of the saddle hunting community at saddlehunter.com. And he has been posting like crazy in that community about how he wished he had known about this for the 60 plus years that he has been hunting. He learned it in his late seventies. And he says that it's the most efficient way to hunt. And he doesn't even use my product. He used something else. So yep. I'm just saying anybody can do it. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, being in somewhat decent shape, I mean, not that you have to be able to run a marathon or anything, but, you know, if you're, if you're a really big guy, um, 
you might or, or gal for that matter if you're if you're you know if you're wearing like a triple x or double x or something like that in, in most of your stuff if you're a really big dude you might have a little trouble getting comfortable however i know guys that are really big um and they hunt out of a saddle just fine so one of the problems with the method is it's difficult to try without buying. Uh, it's not like you can walk into Cabela's or Bass Pro Shops and try one out. You know what I mean? Right. So that part is a little bit difficult. But I would say, yeah, if 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 you're somewhat in shape, um, you're going to have a lot better go of it than than someone that is just you know that is a little bit more physically challenged than than uh, some of the more in-shape guys. But it doesn't mean you have to be a super in-shape guy. That is not at all what I mean. You don't have to be going to the gym every day and putting logging miles on the weekend and running half a You don't have to do any of that. That's not what it's about. But it does help. Um, so if if you're not really in the best shape of your life, um, that's just something you need to try out and see if it works for you. Okay. So there may be some challenges for those that aren't in great shape, but if you are somewhat physically fit and that you might enjoy this aspect as a, a yeah, and I, and I can't stress the somewhat term. I mean, you do not have to be an iron man to do this. Now you're going to have the same challenges if you're hunting in a traditional tree stand. If you're, if you're a big dude, those little light ultra light hang on tree stands with those tiny seats are probably not going to work for you. That's going to be pretty uncomfortable. Um, I'm a small guy. I'm only five, seven and 165 pounds. And some of those really light tree stands that I was using back in the day, they were really uncomfortable even for me. So uh, like we said earlier in the conversation, there's a give and take with anything. You got to figure out what is the most important thing to you. If it's comfort and you're a big dude, eh, maybe the saddle isn't the best option. Maybe you need to look at a, a big, heavy, uh, you know, climber tree stand. Um, if, if ultralight and, and low bulk is your number one goal, then you maybe want to look at a saddle. Right. Gotcha. All right. Very good. Well, let's, let's break down some of the products that you have just so people understand what's here, um, that is available. Now, a lot of times it looks like you, you have a couple of kits that you can build, but let's just start with, um, the, the Mantis saddle again. Um, what are some of the, the options you can get on that? And, um, give us a good description of it. So we really built this thing to be modular. We wanted, we wanted people to be able to, to get what they want and leave off everything that they didn't want. So everything is modular and it all works with our Molly, um, modular attachment system. So the Mantis saddle is basically the harness. And then you can get, like you said, you can get some accessories that make, make it a little bit, uh, easier to use. So we have things, uh, the cis hauler, which are pouches that will fit, um, on your hips in order to hold your grunt call, your binos, uh, your tether, your lineman belt, um, you know, whatever it is that you want to keep in with easy access to, you can put those cis haulers on the mantis saddle. And that just makes you a little bit more efficient. We have the mantis recliner, which as I mentioned earlier, it's a back support system. Um, so if you're going to be hunting a long time, uh, I would absolutely hundred percent recommend the Mantis recliner. It is a huge, huge difference in comfort for me. I don't go into the woods without the recliner. Even if I'm only hunting for a couple of hours, I hook that thing up. It only weighs three ounces. It fits in your pocket. It's super tiny. It's super small. There's no bulk. It's, it's absolutely quiet. Um, it's easy to hook up. There's no downsides to this thing. So I carry it with me on every hunt. 
and I use it on every hunt. We also have, like I mentioned uh, previously, the SBW heater, which is um, a, a, a fleece insulated uh, warming system for your saddle. So if you're hunting in bitter cold temperatures, you can wrap that thing around your butt because our saddle is made of mesh. So it, it's ultra light and ultra packable, but with convective wind currents in the, in the late season, that wind rushing underneath that mesh and your, your insulating layers underneath that have been compressed. So you can get a little bit of, you can get chilly in your butt. Well, you put that heater on there that is no more. It's super warm. Um, so there's some accessories like that. None of them are absolutely necessary. Oh yeah. And they also, the, let me, let me also mention the micro fit adjusters. So those attach to the saddle on your hips and, you can adjust the level of pressure underneath your butt. So you can pull them tight and have more pressure underneath your butt or more support underneath your butt, or you can loosen them all the way up and have uh, a little bit more support or pressure uh, more in the small of your back. It just depends on what is comfortable for you. Now, all of the things that I just mentioned, they're all modular. You can put them on and use them if you want them, or you can keep the mantle, uh, the mantis um, super slim, super lightweight, and have nothing on it. So it's super streamlined. Um, we wanted to give users that option because that's how I hunt. I want to take as little as possible with me into the woods, and we design all of our accessories to be modular so you can take them off and add them on when you want them. Okay. So in essence, you've got the manis, and you buy it in the size that fits you based off of the size of you, you and the amount of clothing you're going to be using. You've got the predator platform to give something to stand on gives you something to stand on you got the the, the tethered tree tether which ties you to the tree you've got the lineman belt which assists you with the climbing aspects to get to the top then you've got the sys hauler es and the sys hauler that looks like those are bags that attach to your harness uh, of some sort or the saddle yep. i should say those are the those are the little gear bags little um little haulers that you put on each hip if you want you can put one on two on three on however many you wanted to put on and like i said that's a great place to store i keep my range finder in there you can keep a grunt call uh, a pull-up rope things like that gotcha okay you've got some micro fit adjusters and and explain to the to the audience what that is again yep so those attach to the the uh hips uh, or by your hips on the saddle and they just adjust the level of support you get. You can either get more support under your butt or loosen them up and get you know less support under your butt, which would give you a little more support in your back. Okay. Uh, it's just different ways of adjusting comfort to find what makes, what works for you. All right. The the recliner, you said that like you love this recliner. So it, it, it goes on top of the, your back. Is that right? So you can lean back a little bit. Yep. It's a, it's a strap that goes around your back and you can lean into it. It just gives you more back support. Gotcha. Very cool. The heater, that's kind of self-explanatory. Um, the Ropeman Ascender, what is that? So the Ropeman is a product uh, developed for, again, the mountain climbing industry. And it's just a way of adjusting your lineman belt and your tether with one hand. You're familiar with Prusik knots, uh, Jay? I'm assuming yes. you've used them before. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so pr- Prusik knots suck. Um, they, <laughs> gotcha. they, well, they're strong and they're safe, but as far as from a user, user friendliness perspective, they suck. You, yeah. If you're trying to tighten your lineman belt down and you have a prussic knot on there, well, it takes two hands. So you got to suck yourself up to the tree and then try to wiggle it loose. It's 
they suck. Uh, You're right. I, I was just in this two days ago. I was, I was, you know, one-handed trying to move a presser knot up a, a lineman belt, and you can't do it without some serious, like, adjustments and trying to, like, hang on with one side and pull your, your hand around the other. It was a pain in the neck. You're absolutely right. Yeah, they suck. I mean, it's they, they suck. And the mountain climbing industry has this product. It does exactly the same thing. It's essentially a mechanical prusset. And uh, it's, it's actually the technical term is in a sender. Um, but it works, in effect, like a mechanical prusset knot. And it's fantastic. You try one of those on your lineman belt, mm. I promise you, you will never use a prusset knot again. Um, I, have, I use two rope mans every time I go into the woods. One is on my lineman belt, and one is on my tether. So if, I'm, if my knees are getting a little uncomfortable, you know, an hour into the hunt, what I do is I adjust my rope man down my tether a little bit, and it completely changes the angle and the uh, geometry at which you're sitting in the, in the, in the saddle and it completely changes your comfort level. So I use it on every single hunt. I will not go into the woods without two of them. Um, but again, it's at its most basic form, it's a replacement for a pressing knot. Gotcha. Okay. And then you've got some additional T hooks. What do the T hooks do? So the T hooks are a new product we just launched, um, recently, and it's just a, uh, a way of adjusting a, a, the length of webbing. So we use them on our micro fit adjusters and we use them on the leg loops on the Mantis saddle. Um, but there's also a whole host of DIY options that you could use the T hooks for. It's essentially a, 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 a hook on one end with a, um, basically a ladder lock section of aluminum where you can, you know, tighten or loosen a webbing strap. Gotcha. All right. Very good. What else are people thinking about? Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you can think that people need to know about getting a getting into the the climbing methodologies and b if you've already gotten into it but you haven't gotten into the tethered thing? What what advancements are here that people would want to grab onto? Well, I can imagine that someone listening that was this was a totally foreign concept. And they're hearing talk of tethers and rope mans and prussics and and bridges and saddles, and they're going, "What in the world is this maniac talking about?" I I can completely understand that. A picture is worth a thousand words. If 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 none of this stuff makes sense, I would jump onto YouTube. Or if it makes sense, but you just want to get more information about it, jump onto YouTube and and just search saddle hunting. You'll probably find my YouTube channel. And I have tons and tons of content, basically everything that we've talked about, climbing methods, sticks, platforms, bridges, rope mans, everything that we've talked about today, I have a video on YouTube that goes into great detail about what it is, how it works, why it's safe, you know, and, and whether or not it makes sense for you to use it in a hunting scenario. So that would be the number one piece of advice that I can give any new saddle hunter is to jump on YouTube and watch some of these videos and it will make a lot more sense when you can see it. Okay. And just, just because this is always a, a, a question, you know, anytime you buy anything, what are we looking at for price points to, to get into this effectively and safely? So we priced it. Um, we wanted to be competitive with a, uh, a tree stand. So the, the saddle, the Mantis saddle is, is one ninety nine. Now the difference is, I don't know if this is a great business model, uh, um, Jay, but yeah. it's, uh, 
you never have to buy another one. That's that's the problem with it. That's why it's probably not a great business model because this thing will never um, it will never wear out unless you lose it or you know maybe you loan it to a buddy and he never gives it back. Uh, you're never going to have to buy another one of these things. Whereas the tree stand companies, they, they sell you three, four, five of these things every year. So you can go and set up new spots, but it's one ninety nine. The platform is one seventy nine. If you are starting from scratch and you bought the whole system to include the accessories, the ropes, the carabiners, the saddle, the predator, everything, you're looking at about 500 bucks. Now you never have to buy any of that twice. So I always like to say, buy once, cry once. Uh, it's a, it's an investment, but it's the safest, most mobile option there is. And you only ever have to spend the money once. Gotcha. Okay. And what's, and you said this thing lasts forever. What's the warranty like? So we have a, a lifetime warranty on workmanship on workmanship, and we have a 30 day, no questions asked return policy. Okay. And the strength of the, the, harness itself or in, in this case the the saddle it's what's it weighted to i know you said you're testing the platform and that you're working on some more strength development what about the the, the saddle itself yep so we put a 300 pound uh, weight limit on the predator platform um and it's it's going to test you know way 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 over that um but 300 pound limit on the platform and then we put a 350 pound uh rating on the um saddle and it will pull way over that it will it will pull at about five to six thousand pounds uh total strength okay and is this under the tma label yet so no and but there's a reason why okay. the reason why is that the tma doesn't have well not even beyond the tma um the tma doesn't have any testing standards for a saddle and a platform um the we're working through right now trying to get the predator platform TMA certified as a tree stand, but it's not a tree stand. It's a positioning aid. So trying to fit it into a box when it's not really a traditional product has been problematic. So what we did instead is we, we tested, tested it um, using the UIAA testing standards, which is the uh, international Alpine association um, organization that tests all the rock climbing equipment. So gotcha. we tested it to that standard because the the harness more closely aligns with a harness than it does a tree stand. Gotcha. All right. That, so that you're doing the testing, it's all done to a, a specific code that is beyond, I'd say almost beyond what TMA is because they're for tree stands. You're talking about uh, mountain climbing, rock climbing stuff. Exactly. I mean, if it's good enough for Everest, we think it's good enough for us. Right, right, exactly. And the ropes are ridiculous. You said you could hang a Jeep from the tree. Okay. I'm getting the picture. And this this is a fascinating subject to me. And I appreciate you taking the time to go through all this. Um, If at the end of this listen, if you're a listener um, and you wanted to go buy one, um, where do you go? Uh, you would go to tetherednation.com, and tethered is spelled a little weird. It's spelled T-E-T-H-R-D. So we left out an E there, which uh, it, it made great sense from a marketing standpoint, but in a realistic standpoint, it's been people are like, how do you spell that? T-E-T-H-R-D, tetherednation.com. And we're on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff. So if you just search 
tethered, however you spell it, uh, tethered saddle or tethered mantis, you'll find us. Okay. So the, you got the tethered website, you're on all the social media platforms. You've got a, a saddle site on Facebook as well. In addition to that, is that correct? Yeah, there's a saddle hunting, uh, Facebook group that I, that I run. Um, if you just search saddle hunting, you'll find it. Um, and then, uh, other resources that are super, super helpful is saddlehunter.com, which okay. is the largest community of saddle hunters in the world. And if you have any question, you're curious about any part of the system, you can jump on there and search it and you will probably find an answer. And if you don't have an answer, you can just ask a question and somebody, it may even be me, will jump on there and explain uh, and answer your question. All right. Very good. And Greg, if we've created more questions than answers because we've discussed this, um, where can people go to reach you? So you can reach me at any of the Tethered Nation uh, social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or you can find a lot of more information on my YouTube channel, which is G2 Outdoors. Gotcha. Very good. Greg, this has been an honor and a pleasure, and thank you so much for spending the time to go through this. It's been on my mind for quite a while. It's a it's a type of hunting that I want to add to my system. I've been trying to bring my my gear down to an absolute minimum and still be able to get up into a tree effectively to, to shoot the bow effectively. And, and I believe... Um, once I get my hands on this stuff, I think this may be it. So I'm looking forward to testing out some of your gear. That's awesome. Um, I think that, like I said about a thousand times during the podcast, if you're willing to put in a little bit of effort and, and work through some of that, some of the, you know, initial kinks that you may find and get work on your saddle shape, um, you will figure it out and it will change how you hunt. Thank you to Greg Godfrey for joining us on the Big Buck Registry Gear Hunting Podcast. It was quite a pleasure having him on because we had a lot of responses back when we did the John Eberhardt interview. And since that interview, John has actually endorsed Tethered. And where the mobile tree harness hunting style seems to be coming into demand. I'm seeing more of my Facebook friends go on board and, and, and grab some of these harnesses and try them. And they like them. And which is a little different than what they used to be because they were uncomfortable. But it looks like Tethered has figured out how to combine that rock climbing technology, even though it's low tech, with the Arborist technology that's been around for quite a while and, and make it comfortable and very lightweight, specifically because they're using a different material for their harness and they created that really lightweight platform where you can rest your feet just like a tree stand. So... Hats off to the guys from Tethered and Greg Godfrey. Thank you for joining us. And, uh, oh, Dusty, do we have a Chubby Tines tip of the week? Yeah, Jay, I've got a tip of the week this week. The Chubby Tines tip of the week is sponsored by Morse's Sporting Goods. Firearms, use firearms, bows, use bows. Located at 85 Kentucky Falls Road in Hillsborough, New Hampshire. Give Jim a call at 603-464-3444, morse'sportinggoods.com. Your dollars go further in New Hampshire. There's no sales tax. Morse's Sporting Goods. You know, a lot of people ask me, you know, why the rut's going on? They, they have a doe come in and they're, they're hunting a scrape. Let's, let's say, for instance, Jay, we're, we're hunting over a, a fresh scrape and it's an active scrape that uh, maybe multiple bucks have been hitting and, and maybe it's a public scrape. But a lot of guys tend to sit up on a scrape and, uh, you know, they say, man, I had a doe come in and she, she messed around this scrape for a good while. And, and uh, you know, I, I thought to myself, what's she doing? 
what's going on? Yeah, you know, a, a, a doe in heat will come into a scrape, and she may linger there. What I mean by that, she's, she's just hanging out, and she's kind of waiting on a buck to show up to uh, get, her, get the attention of him. And, and she may hang out there for a few hours during the day. And a lot of guys will get tired looking at her and maybe shoot her. And that's something that uh, I've noticed over time that uh, doe and heat will come to a scrape and just linger around. She'll just meal around. She may stay 20, 50 yards, 75 yards, but it seems like you always get a visual on her and hang out by that, that scrape. And, and over the years, it just seems like every time I see one do that, I, I got to kind of laugh and snicker a little bit because there's a lot of times that when a, when a doe comes in and lingers around a scrape like that, she ends up getting an arrow through her because it just seems like it's a prime opportunity. But that's always not the best scenario to, to go ahead and harvest her. Give her give her a chance and let her keep lingering around there. And as long as she stays uh, out of your wind zone so you don't get busted, it could be a good opportunity for you to uh, have that mature buck come in uh, looking for a hot doe and, and she kind of just trap him there and and once he finds her, he's going to hang out with her. So be careful on letting that uh, meat missile fly when a hot doe is coming in to linger around a scrape. Dusty, where can we find you when you're not hanging out here in the studios with me? Uh, shoot me an email, dusty at bigbuckregistry.com. You can look me up on Instagram and Twitter at Chasing Antler, facebook.com forward slash chubby tines outdoors. Jay, where can the people reach out to you when you're not on the mic? Likewise, you can shoot me an email, jay at bigbuckregistry.com, and you can visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash bigbuckregistry. We're also on Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash bigbuckregistry. We're also on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash bigbuckregistry, and YouTube, which is youtube.com forward slash bigbuckregistry. On YouTube, you can listen to all of our podcasts in their entirety. As far as videos are concerned, it's a boring video, but the audio content is there, so you can actually listen to our podcast. You can also listen to all of our live shows that we've done on Thursday nights when we do do them, and we've gone back and interviewed, re-interviewed a lot of our previous guests we had on the show just to put a face to a voice. Let's put it that way. You can always listen to our show on other places as well, not just YouTube. We're found on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and as an Amazon Alexa skill, go to Alexa and say, Alexa, enable Big Buck Registry. And if you would like to submit a buck to our page for consideration and be featured on our page in front of 250,000 diehard deer hunting fans, all you have to do is go to bigbuckregistry.com forward slash my buck and all of the instructions will be right there. I think that's pretty much everywhere we're at. I think that's a wrap, Dusty. That's a whole lot of big buck, Jay. Sure is. I'm Jay Scott. I'm Dusty Phillips. And this is the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. We'll see you next week. Yeah.